Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm an editor at Light Reading. And I'm Mike Dano. I'm also an editor at Light Reading. And I am Ross Roseboro. I am not an editor at Light Reading, but I am a principal analyst at Omdia. <laughs> well, Roz, it's so good to see you. Welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what your new role at Omdia is, because um, for those who aren't aware, Roz used to be superstar at Heavy Reading, and now she's <laughs> over at Omdia, which is yeah. a, um, a sister site for light reading. Right, right. So yeah, I've been an analyst since 2000, uh, minus the three years I took off to study writing, which was actually much needed, and I'm really glad I did it. Uh, but as I said, I'm glad to be back. I'm now on, on the Omdia side working in their service provider transformation team with James Crawshaw, and I am mostly focusing on data analytics and AI uh, with a little bit of automation thrown in, and also trying to keep up with the CSPs move to the cloud, public or otherwise. Yeah, that's a that's a big topic right now. And um, curious, like how? So uh, you know, you you left and then came back. How uh, how has your focus area has it shifted much? Are you sort of refining your your topic area now with all the developments that have been going on? Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit different now. I mean, before I was looking at cloud infrastructure and Mano and basically that, you know, kind of tracking that move from dedicated hardware to uh, general purpose servers and, uh, you know, and all that it, all that, that entails, uh, the questions we were answering then were kind of, will service providers move to the cloud? And I think, you know, three years, t- after three years, the answer is Yes. Uh, and I think the question now is which cloud? And I think maybe we'll talk later about some of those considerations. But now what I'm really looking at is things like with uh, AI and analytics, because the cloud is so ubiquitous now, they're able to do things that they weren't able to do before. And so I'm trying to get a handle on how service providers are leveraging uh, analytics and AI and how that's going to help them manage their businesses, their operations in a different way. So it's kind of cool, kind of geeky, um, but uh, but so far I really enjoyed it. It's a brand new topic for me, so that's always fun to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was looking at, um, you had a recent um, cloud report, which was really interesting and, um, you know, kind of started off talking about how enterprises have moved a lot of their applications to the cloud and are continuing to do so. And um, I imagine a lot are still in that hybrid cloud phase of, of public and private. So, mm-hmm. um you know, you kind of touched on this question already, but should uh, service providers be moving their applications to the cloud? And um, also, uh, should it be public, private, a mix of both? What are your thoughts? Oh, I have lots of thoughts, like I always yeah. do. How much time um, do we have? Exactly. <laughs> um, well, and I realize it's super cliche to say this, but it really does depend Um it depends on a lot of different things, actually. It depends on what application we're talking about. That's something that used to drive me crazy when people talked about telco cloud. That can mean a lot of different things. And so if you're talking about moving Microsoft Office to a public cloud, that's one thing. Every enterprise, most enterprises are doing that. So service providers are no different in that way. Um, if you're talking about 
um, what kind of application? That's a big deal. Again, if we're talking about an application like Office, it's one thing, but if you're talking about a latency-sensitive network function that needs real-time processing, maybe it doesn't make sense to put it to the public cloud. Um, there are cases where you need to look at the strategic goals that the service provider has. You know, Are they trying to enter a new market where they don't have infrastructure? Uh, maybe that's a faster way to do it. Um, are they trying to test out a new service before they uh, invest a bunch of money on new infrastructure? Then that makes sense. Um, so really, like, like everything else, it really comes down to business case. I don't know that it's nearly as all or nothing as perhaps it felt five years ago. Um, and I, I'll say that when I uh, spoke with some service providers about this for that report, some of them said they tried the public cloud and they didn't actually save money. In some cases, it cost them more money. And so they brought things back to their own to their private cloud. Um, and I'm sure you've heard other people say, you know, Neil McRae is, is famous for saying this, like, we are not handing over the crown jewels to anybody else, <laughs> rightfully so. Um, again, they, they've got, you know, decades of history of, you know, five nines and complete control and all that stuff and turning that over to somebody where they don't have uh, control over the environment. I just, I don't, I personally don't see that happening and I don't know that there's a reason to do so. Um, like I said, I think there was a lot of pressure for them to do like the hype, you know, be like the hyperscalers and put everything in cloud. But I think what people are realizing is that um, it's uh, it's it's dependent on a lot of things, and it's not just not just an all or nothing proposition. And so, as you're uh, like as you're working with these service providers on on this like big topic, what what are your recommendations for how they like move forward here? Is it is it sort of you know, do a lot of testing or like what, what are, what's the, what's the process here that you're recommending? Whew, I wish I had that much power. Um, but I guess, <laughs> yeah, what I guess, really what am I telling? I'm good at telling people what to do, but do they listen? That's yeah. the thing. Um, no, I think, I don't think this kind of transformation, which I think is too big a word in some, in some ways, it's, it's, it's not something you have to do just because it's possible. I think, and I say that, you know, pretty much for any kind of technology shift, just because something is available doesn't mean you have to do it. You need to think about what is it you're trying to accomplish? Are you trying to move more quickly? Are you trying to reduce the number of people in your operations? Are you trying to give your customers more self-service capabilities? Um, are you trying to, you know, are you trying to expand your footprint again? All those kind of business issues. Then once you figure out what you're trying to do, then think about, okay, now what are the different technology choices I have that will let me do that? And so you evaluate: Does it make? Do I get more of these outcomes by doing it myself, or does it make sense for me to go to somebody else? Um, I'm thinking about things like, uh, like AI. Like I said, that's kind of what I'm. Um, that's what I'm looking at these days. Uh, some of the cloud providers, like Google, I just was on their their uh, next webinar yesterday, so they're top of mind, but they have a lot of AI functionality available in their environment that service providers can and should, I would say, uh, take advantage of. You know, why reinvent the wheel if it's available for you to use? So again, depending on the use case, um, then I think that's what should be driving your technology decision, not just because, um, you know, all the cool kids are doing it um, or because it's available and, you know, the, the, the headlines make it sound great, but you really need to look at, you um, you know what it is you're trying to accomplish. What are the outcomes you're going for? I know that sounds very MBA student-ish, but you know, I'm not. <laughs> so, but it's yeah. true. Yeah, no, that, that that makes a lot of sense, and makes me think back to your earlier point about, um, you know, uh, service providers looking at the public cloud, and maybe it was more expensive, and mm. um, they had 
less control that they wanted to maintain. So um, definitely need to come in uh, with a good game plan, I think, before mm-hmm. you embark on it. And like you said, not not to do it just because it's available might not right. be the best course of action. Um, and, you know, and for years we've been talking about um, the kind of coopetition between the hyperscalers and the service providers. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like should service providers, is that still... Uh, a good goal to become more like the hyperscalers or uh, what, what, are, what are your thoughts on that co-opetition uh, oh, discussion? Wow. Well, I will tell you, and I, I know a few people have wrote about this. I think Ian wrote a few things about this from DTW a couple weeks ago. And, you know, the, the hypers, you know, AWS, Google Cloud and, and Azure were out in full force and people are freaking out about the hyperscalers taking over the world. And I spoke with a few of those hyperscalers and I don't, I don't know if they are trying to take over the world, but I do think that they see an opportunity, which which is also fine. So, you know, the question of should the should the service providers be like the hyperscalers? Um, in some respects, perhaps. I mean, there's you know, there's things that the hyperscalers do in terms of leveraging automation that I think service providers can benefit from. Um, but you know, running a you know mission critical communications network is very different than um, being a social media company, for example. Um, so, you know, the, the, the environment in which service providers are operating is very different and the expectations are different than what, what a, a hyperscaler needs to do. So I think it's, it's one of those things, yeah, does it make sense to develop your, your services using DevOps and Agile and, and all that kind of stuff? Then yeah, do, do it, if, it if it's gonna help your business. But again, don't do it just because they're doing it. Um, I, think it's, I think it's instructive though, to look at how they've done things differently and see which, of, you know, which uh, elements of that make sense for their business. So I wouldn't expect, you know, I, I don't expect that an AT&T or a Vodafone is ever gonna look just like you know, Google, but I don't know that they need to. Um, again, they're, they're completely different businesses. So, uh, Roz, we know, you, uh, you were recently at that, um, TM forum, uh, event, uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I wanted to ask you what your, what your takeaways from that event were, but before I do that, um, I wanted to ask one more quick question about the, the cloud, this, this like idea of moving everything to the cloud and stuff. And I know you mentioned our, our colleague, Ian Morris, and he's written a lot about the, the possibility of a lock-in mm-hmm. for a cloud. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of been a debate among a lot of companies recently mm-hmm. about, you know, if you, if you do move stuff to the cloud, are you locked into that particular cloud provider? And so I wondered if you could maybe just talk a little bit about, like, about that as you're recommending, you know, how to move to the cloud and, and what, maybe to put in the cloud and what not to put into the cloud is, is the, is the topic of like cloud lock-in something that, that you're hearing a lot in your discussions in this area? It's, it's an issue, but I think it might be being a little bit overplayed. Uh, Again, it comes down to what that application is because there are plenty of things that once you deploy them, they just sit there. I mean, look at how much equipment is sitting in service providers networks for decades that you don't even touch. So if it's that kind of an application, who cares? If the, I won't say who cares if there's lock-in, but unless you know you're in there and it's and it's critical and the price of it goes goes crazy or something, then yeah, that's an issue. But if it was that critical, you probably wouldn't have put it in the cloud in the first place. Um, so the the idea that you can't move your workloads around, uh, I think. Again, I haven't done, I can't say I've done research to quantify this, but I can't imagine that there's a whole ton of, of workloads 
that relate to running the network that is that would need to move around that much. Um, like I said, if you're trying to, you know, move things around from a cost standpoint, I mean, that's, that's fine, but it's probably more work than it's, than it's worth. Um, because, and, and again, I, and I understand that server providers are, you know, um, you know, trying to avoid vendor lock-in because they felt like that kept them from, um, you know, having any kind of, you know, pricing power when dealing with their suppliers. So again, I, I understand that, but I think, um, like I said, when, you're, when I'm thinking about network functions, I just don't see them moving, wanting to move them around that much. I mean, you want to get these things up and running and stable, and you want them to stay there. Um, yeah, I, I, there, I, I suppose there is a risk that you know they are captive to to a cloud provider, but I would think that something again, if it was something that's that critical, that they probably wouldn't hand it over in the first place. Yeah. Um, and and there's and there's a lot to be well, I almost say a lot to be said. I mean, there's a reason vertical integration existed because everything works well. When one person owns the whole thing, it works well. I mean, that's the other thing I've been you know that you've been writing about with OpenRant. It's nice to have choice, but then someone's going to make all that stuff come together again, and that's not easy. And so again, so you kind of talk out of both sides. It's like we want to have choice, but we want everything to work great. Yeah, really. Chances of that happening are, are are slim. So again, if you're if you go to AWS because they've got a set of services that help you, then great. And if you know Microsoft comes up with a similar offer for ten percent less, are you going to go through all the work to move it? Possibly, but I doubt it. It would have to be something really monumental. And again, I don't. I again, it's early on, but I, I don't see very very many use cases where that would be a, a serious consideration. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And so, like I mentioned, you you were at that TM forum, um, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of a lot. I mean, that all the stuff that we've been talking about was mm-hmm. was brought up. I think at that show that covered mm-hmm. a lot of ground. So yep. maybe you can just uh, sort of maybe briefly recap your takeaways from from that event. <laughs> Briefly recap the takeaways. They're actually yeah, in an, all the things from, from the long <laughs> session. All the things and Challenge all the meetings. Accepted. <laughs> all right. Um, I, I would say uh, for Omdia subscribers, I wrote about this and it's on the website now. Um, actually, it's available for non-Omdia um, non-Omdia subscribers too. We made it available for everybody. But oh. the pre- the preview is, um, or say the the thing that I remember the most about it is that. People, I think, were starting to be a little bit more realistic about things. Like I said, I took a three-year hiatus, and things have matured, which is which is exciting. Like I said, we're not asking whether they'll do it, but how do they do it in the most efficient way? And um, I, I felt as though people were both, you know, celebrating, you know, the the progress and showing what's possible, all these wonderful new things, but also being realistic about the challenges. I mean, this stuff is not easy. Um, I mean, nothing ever is, but this, we're talking about changing, you know, equipment, we're changing business models, we're changing suppliers, we're changing, uh, you know, pricing model, we're changing everything at the same time, and also trying to keep the lights on. So that's, that's really hard to do. So I was, I was probably most encouraged by the fact that people weren't pretending that all you have to do is move stuff to the cloud and your life will be beautiful, because it's not true. Um, yes, the hyperscalers were there in full force, but I also, I, the, the sessions I appreciated the most actually were the ones where the service providers who have started on this journey toward AI and automation and cloud, they got up there and talked about their experience. And I thought that was really helpful. Um, there was one in particular from a woman from Verizon. Um, she spoke about how she was able, uh, she presented some information that showed how much value her group, her her AI group has given to the business. And the thing that was powerful to me was that those numbers didn't come from her. They came from 
the business units who they, she did the projects for. And so making that very clear connection between AI and business outcomes, I think is really important and very powerful. Again, you don't do technology because you can, you do it because it helps you, you know, save money or make money. And so I thought that was really helpful. Um, what else? I think also people are just happy to be back in person again. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was wonderful. Being in Copenhagen was 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 pretty cool. After being in Nice for I got I think twenty years or something, they've been in Nice, so people were pretty stoked about that. Um, but there's there was like I said, there was a pretty good energy. Um, you know, there was you know, of course there was hype because there's always hype. But I I did think it was relatively balanced by people saying, okay, you know, this is this is really what's happening on the ground. Yes, there's benefits, but yes, there's also work to do. So I think that's a good sign. Mm -hmm. um, because again, you guys have been enough of these shows where sometimes it's all about, you know, rainbows and puppies and it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not all that. So, uh, so I thought that was, I thought that was important. Yeah. That's, that's, um, good to hear that they actually had some, you know, results to share and, and were yeah. honest about how things were going. And, mm -hmm. um, so you have another event coming up, right? Network X. Yes, yes. Leaving on Saturday to go to Amsterdam uh, for nice. the Network X show. It's an InformaTech um, event. It's Broadband World Forum has been going on for, geez, I think as long as I've been an analyst. But now we've also got uh, 5G World and Telco Cloud 2022. And um, I will be there with about, I think, 35 other Omnia analysts and some other folks there. Um, so that should be fun. And I'll be speaking, uh, I'll be doing a panel about automation and AI with a couple service providers. Again, my goal with all of, when I, anytime I do these kind of panels, it's like, what's really happening? You know, let's get past the hype, get past the headlines, what's happening on the ground. And um, so we'll be talking about that. And I think I have another one on cloud automation or something like that, but it should be fun. It should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, looking forward to hearing from you um, how that goes and, and what you hear from other folks. Um, thanks, Roz, for joining us. Uh, so glad that you're back and, uh, you know, you've got a lot of really interesting uh, focused areas. So we'll definitely call you again soon. All right. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Good to see you guys. You too. Thanks. Bye.